He is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind. unclouded by hate does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice hello everyone my name is charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer c.e dorset but today i'm here to continue our discussion on the apostles creed and if you are new to the podcast and you don't know why we're talking about the the apostles creed i i highly recommend that you go back to the beginning of the series and it, it might blow your mind a little bit I know it certainly did mine. So today we're going to be picking up with the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. I have been reading from the ecumenical version of the Apostles' Creed just because, you know, I don't know what particular persuasion you all are from. I'm much more comfortable saying the Catholic version because, you know, I spent a lot of time in the Roman Church, but the, the phrases we're going to be paying attention to today are suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. That's our topic for today. So why start with he suffered under Pontius Pilate? I think this is an often missed part of the creed. Because so many people have turned the creed and the Christian faith itself into kind of a litmus test that unless you 100% believe and agree with all of these words as I am saying them to you and exactly the way that I am interpreting them to mean, then you're not a Christian. As we talked about in the first episode, the word creed, credo, um means to give credit to, to give our heart to. So, you know, if these are things that are within your heart, then they are very important to you. So why Pontius Pilate? Why are we starting with he suffered under Pontius Pilate? Because one, it sets our story in time. This was while Pontius Pilate was prefect over Judea. Okay, so that sets it in time, but also because it reminds us of one of the most often forgot core aspects of the gospel. As I'm very fond of iterating over and over and over again on this show, Jesus proclaimed the gospel that we are to give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, proclaim freedom to the captives, and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. These are the things that we are here to do. If we forget that Christ our Lord suffered, if we forget that he was unjustly accused of sedition and tortured, I mean, they scourged him for goodness sakes, and then executed as a criminal between two thieves, if we forget this core part of our own story, then it's easy for us to neglect 
the broken, the downtrodden, and the hurting in our world. That's why it's important when we say the creed not to forget that our Lord suffered under Pontius Pilate. And his entire life he suffered. He lived in Nazareth. He had to pay Roman taxes. He had to live under threat of Rome his entire life. You know, we often forget when we read the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says things like, if somebody asks you to go with them a mile, go with them too. That's, that, that's something that the people around him clearly knew what he was talking about. See, a Roman soldier had the power to go up to any person, hand them their kit, and say, walk with me, and make that person carry their equipment for a mile. They were allowed to have them for one mile, then they had to send them home. Jesus said, if they ask you to go for one, for one mile, go for two. They also had the power to take what they needed when they were out in the field. So if someone comes to you and asks you for your cloak, give them your coat as well. This is also dealing with the oppression brought on to Judea and Galilee by the Romans. And the people who he was talking to clearly knew that. You see, you can't understand the life and teaching of Jesus or the working of the gospel without understanding the justice and the defiance that is at the heart of it. Jesus lived in Roman-occupied Judea and Galilee his entire life. He lived under King Herod and had to cope with everything that Herod's men and the Romans wanted from them. And none of them were particularly kind to the outlying provinces. This is why it's very important for us when we say our creed, to say with confidence, you know, our Lord suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified. See, crucifixion is something that, it's one of the only forms of death, that I, of execution, that I think we've become a bit too demure about. And it's because we see it so often. So many churches have a crucifix in the building or on the building or outside the building. How many people wear crucifixes? I wear a crucifix quite often. We see it and we see this poor man nailed feet and hands to a cross. And we think, wow, that would really hurt to have a nail driven through our feet and through our wrists. Yeah, that would hurt. But that's not how crucifixion killed. Crucifixion killed by suffocation. You see, they would have to hold themselves up by the nails in their wrists to take a breath. That pain would prevent them from doing that. And being strung out on the cross the way that they were, they would slowly suffocate. We see this in the Gospels when we see that the soldiers pierce Christ's side and blood and water flows. That's because he was suffocating his lungs were feel, filling with fluid from being on the cross. It's a terrible, terrible death. It's also one that was reserved for many of the worst crimes. The crime was always placed over the victim. 
so that people would know why they were being crucified. And on the titulus above Jesus' head, we see his crime, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. He was killed for sedition. I know there are many theories out there, and I've heard many a preacher give a sermon on why the Jews or Herod or Pilate ended up condemning this man, Jesus. But we don't have to speculate. His crime was listed over his head. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. He was killed for sedition. You see, you can have no king but a client king, like Herod, under Caesar. And so anyone who claimed or was believed to be a king was a threat to Roman authority and Roman power, and thus Jesus had to die. This is where we see Jesus perform several of his great acts of mercy. I truly believe that he knew his time was coming. We, we can read this in the gospel, but when you actually read how it happened, I've often wondered what Judas's part was in the plot. Because the later gospel of John says that the devil had possessed him and made him do it. The, early, the earlier gospels don't say this. In fact, the earliest accounts we have of the Last Supper show us Jesus saying, whoever dips his hand into the oil with me is the one who will betray me. And there's always been a part of me who want, that wondered whether or not Jesus staged his arrest. You see, Jesus knew what would happen to his apostles. He knew what would happen to those closest to him if the Romans came for him. And after everything that had happened in Jerusalem, he knew that his time was short. And so he willingly sacrificed himself. And I'm not even talking theologically yet. I'm just talking about practically. Out of character, we have Jesus storming into the temple, overthrowing the tables of the money changers and running them out. This would surely attract the attention of Rome. In the Gospel of Luke, we have Jesus talking to the apostles and he says, do we have any weapons? And Judas says, we have a couple swords. And Jesus says, that will be enough. For what? You're not going to fight off the Romans with a couple swords. And then at the Last Supper, we have Jesus telling Judas what you must do, do quickly. And Judas leaves and turns him over. Then we have the, the arrest, the trial, the scourging, and the crucifixion. Jesus knew that not only he was labeled for death, but all who followed him. And by having one of his apostles betray him, that gave them a get-out-of-jail-free card, in a way. You see, the apostles turned on him. Which begs the question, was he prophesying to Peter when he says, tonight you will deny me, or was he telling Peter what to do? Tonight you will deny me, because I'm going to give myself over to Rome so you all can live. It's an interesting idea, and I just wanted to put it out there for you, because it's one that I've thought about a lot. This is a man who went to his crucifixion, knowing that it was coming. His teachings are suffused with this imagery. He knew the cross comes, 
<laughs> either the cross or the Roman sword comes to all who claim to be the Messiah. All who gain a following in Rome and Judea. He knew that this was the inevitable end. And he meets it with strength, with his head held high. And on the cross, he remembers his mother and tells John, will you take her? Will you take care of her? He prays for those who just beat him and nailed him to the cross and cast lots for his clothing and says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. There on the cross, he is mocked. And in the end, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. It is finished. And he dies. God dies. Jesus dies. There on that spring day in the midst of Passover, God dies. Jesus dies. And this broke the hearts of the apostles. This just wasn't what they expected. While Jesus never proclaimed himself a king who would retake the throne of David and throw off the Romans, everyone in that day and age expected that that's what the Messiah would do. But this man that they believed to be the Messiah sacrificed himself so they could live. And he died. He died there on a cross, hanging. All of their questions, everything, there in plain sight. There on the boundary of life and death, sin and forgiveness, hope and loss, sorrow and healing. There on the cross, Jesus suffered and died. He suffered so much. He watched his mother cry. He watched Mary Magdalene and the other Mary weep for him. Only one of his disciples came to visit him. He refused the painkiller. He refused everything. And there on the cross, he died. Everything that he had worked for could be lost in this moment. Everything the Romans appeared to have won, the oppressive state that kept his people in chains appeared to have won. And he's buried. And we will continue our story after the break. And we're back. And so here we have Jesus died on the cross. His disciples begged for his body because it should have been thrown to the dogs or left on the cross until the carrion birds picked it clean and the bones fell and the dogs tore them asunder. And according to the Gospels, Joseph of Arimathea begs for his body and puts him in his own tomb. And there for three days, the apostles hold their breath. For three days, they wonder. What does this mean? The man that we followed, the man we thought was the Messiah, the man we thought was the son of the living God is dead. What does that mean? What are we going to do now? 
And then on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and the other women went to his tomb. The Passover had come and they couldn't prepare his body properly. And now they had brought the anointing oils and everything. And when they got there, the stone had been moved away and his body was gone. And Mary Magdalene, seeing a man she presumed was the gardener, ran to him and said, Sir, they've taken the body of my Lord and I do not know where he is. And he turns around and she recognizes him. There he is. There's Jesus, son of Mary, son of God, standing before her, alive. How can this be? He asks her not to touch her because he has not yet returned to his father. And Mary runs and tells the apostles. And the apostles wonder about what she said. And Jesus appears to them and he appears to over 500 of the faithful after that. Throughout our course of study, we've talked about things that are controversial. That we have to wonder how we today in our modern scientific world should cope with them. And as I've said many times, did Jesus raise from the dead? Well, I can't prove or disprove that it what happened 2000 years ago. I can't, no one can. Anybody who tells you that they can prove or disprove a singular event like this 2000 years ago is lying to you. We cannot know with that kind of certainty. But I can tell you, in my heart of hearts, I know that Jesus raised from the dead. Because, like so many Christians, I have experienced the light of God shine into my heart. I have had an experience of the living and raised Christ. I know, beyond a shadow of any doubt, that Jesus lives. I can sing the Paschal hymn, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And I can say it with a firm heart, knowing just deep in my bones, yes, Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ has returned, Christ lives. I know this, and I can't rationally or logically explain it to you. And if that's what you require, I'm sorry. Like, I know there are a lot of people out there who call themselves Christian apologists who will try to take you through the facts and go through the story moment by moment by moment and tell you that they can prove to you that this moment happened. I can't. And I don't think they can either. What I can say is that I and billions of other people have experienced the grace of the living Christ. And that moves us and motivates us. I know that Jesus Christ is the one in whom we live, move, and have our being. He is the one who created the world and who sustains it and who holds all things together. I know he is the head of the body and we are the body. I know that he lives. I know that he reigns. And I firmly admit 
I have no rational basis. I don't. But I don't require one. We don't ask rational questions when someone tells us that they love us. Well, I need you to rationally prove to me that you love me before I can accept that as true, as a fact. Because, for all I know, you're just saying that. Well, yeah, for all we know, they could just be saying that. Or, they could actually love you. I've had an experience of the living Christ. I think if you ask sincerely and pray earnestly, you will too. And if you don't, I, I don't know what to say. I really don't. This is one of those moments that's beyond words. I have throughout my life experienced the calming peace of Jesus come into my heart. I, I have experienced his love. I know that he is there. I know that he is real. I wish I could prove it to you. I wish I could go through a logical argument that would convince everyone in the world. But I can't. And I don't think that any of us would benefit, even if I could. Because knowing something as a fact doesn't help us. It's the experience that helps us. You see, knowing that the resurrected Christ lives as I do because I have encountered his life-changing power. Well, like I just said, I have experienced his life-changing power. I have seen my frailties be made stronger through faith in him. I have seen my life become better through strength in him. I have experienced the unseen hands of God and providence guide me here, there, and yonder to the places where I need to be and away from the places that I shouldn't be. I hope that you've had that experience too. It is a blessing. It is a great blessing from the Spirit. And if you pray, I think you will have that feeling too. Most Holy Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for all of those who hear my voice right now, that they may meet your beloved Son alive in their lives, and that they will see your power and your wisdom and your compassion as it grows in them. Reveal yourself to them, Most Holy Father. Reveal them. Reveal yourself in the only way that you can through your Son, who came to this world that we might know you and have a relationship with you. And in meeting him, let them learn to be one in you, as Christ is one in you. For this is the great work that our Lord came to this world to do, that we may be one in you as he is. Bless us, Holy Father. Keep us in your divine wisdom. Guide us in all things to work compassion in this world and to bring about its restoration, that it may glorify you in all things. 
for you are the beginning and the end. All things hold together in your loving arms, and no matter what chaos or darkness seizes us, there may be terror, and we remember our Lord dying on the cross, and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Reciting the Psalm of David, Psalm 22, evil has camped around me. They are closing in. We know that sometimes we feel alone, Holy Father, but that is not truth. That is not reality. That is not the world that we actually live in. We are all connected to each other in the great web of interbeing. I am in you and you are in us. And Christ holds us all together. None of us do anything alone. Our food would not grow if it were not for the sun to give us light and the wind to spread the pollen and the bees to do their work and the little microbes and the fungus in the ground that brings, nit brings nitrogen and nutrients to the roots and the farmer who picks it and the transporter who grows it and the shopkeeper who sells it to us and the chef who prepares it and all of the billions of creatures that live within our own stomachs that help us to eat it. In nothing are we alone, Holy Father. And this is the great lesson that your Son, Jesus Christ, came into the universe to teach us. That we are not alone. That we are connected one to another in the great web of life. And together, we are capable of great things. Many shall come to come after me, Jesus said, and greater things than I've done shall they do. Today, Holy Father, our doctors heal people with a precision that no one could have dreamt of 2,000 years ago. And yet here we are, doing greater things as we grow in wisdom, as we grow in compassion, as we grow into your heart and learn to live in you, in this world, in preparation for the next, making this world as good as it can be, doing everything in our power to bring about restoration and healing through compassion and wisdom. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, in union with all the saints in heaven, we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope that you encounter the living Christ. I hope that you encounter the cosmic Christ who holds all things together in his loving and tender hands. I hope that as you learn to live the four ways, that you will see him in all things, gathering and teaching in the Via Positiva, suffering and dying in the Via Negativa, rising again in the Via Creativa, bringing life and the newness of life to all things and ascending into heaven whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead in the Via Transformativa, which we will be talking about tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed this show. Like I said, you know, I do these shows because I do love to talk about Jesus. If 
you did enjoy this show and you think you know somebody who would enjoy it or benefit from it, please share. That does help out a lot. If the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate these episodes, please do that. That either this episode or the podcast or both, if you can, that tells the algorithms to share me with other people. If you have a dollar you can throw my way, that would be greatly appreciated. Depending on the app that you're listening to me on, there'll either be a button that says support on anchor or just support or in the show notes, there's a link that says support on anchor. If you click that, you can support me at the $1, $5, $10 levels. That really does help me continue to bring these podcasts to you as well as free up time in my schedule to make resources for wisdomscry.com. Speaking of which, that's a good place where you can go and find links to all of our social media accounts. I'm Wisdom Cries Out on Twitter, and that's probably the best place to find me. Even when I'm not tweeting a lot, I am reading along, so that's a good place to contact me. If you would like to send me a voice message, all you have to do is download the Anchor app at anchor.fm, follow Wisdom's Cry on there, and you'll see a little button This is voice message. If you click that, you can leave up to a one-minute message. It can be a question, it can be a comment, it can be a topic you would like me to cover on the show. From one of my other podcasts, I've actually done several episodes based on those types of call-ins, and I really do enjoy doing that. So if you have any questions, please let me know. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you growing in wisdom and compassion. Amen.